Okay, we'll take just a moment here uh, and dismiss children for Children's Church. So any who are four years old up through second grade can head upstairs at this time. Probably always one of my favorite moments of our service together to just take a little mental snapshot of all of the children here that the Lord has blessed us with. And did you uh, catch a look at the ushers today? We had four of our high school boys uh, doing the ushering. I jokingly said to them, no pressure, but if you mess up, I'll just point it out to everybody as soon as I get up there. That is not the case. They did a wonderful job. And it's just a reminder to all of us, brothers and sisters, of the wonderful and privileged stewardship that God has given to us here at this church of our young people. We love them. They bring such life to this church, but we have a stewardship with that. And that is that we would model uh, Christ, that we would proclaim God's excellencies to them. And it's just such a blessing to have them here. May we never take this for granted. It's a wonderful sight to see. And thank you to the ushers. He did a wonderful job this morning as well. Well, I caught a recent news story. Uh, there was a World War II treasure map that had just been released to the public. You say, well, that was a long time ago. I guess there was about a 75-year moratorium on these confidential documents that couldn't be released. But after all of this time, uh, one of these treasure maps had just been recently introduced to the public. Uh, the, the location of this map was in eastern Netherlands, was believed to show where uh, some Nazi soldiers, as they were fleeing, uh, buried some treasure in the ground on one of their retreats. And supposedly this treasure was hidden in the roots of a poplar tree. And here's what it's said to have been buried. There were four ammunition boxes full of loot. There were diamonds and rubies and gold and silver and jewelry, all of these things together, worth maybe in today's money about $20 million. So, Despite 75 years of time elapsing and going by, treasure hunters saw this map and turned up at this location to look for this treasure. So the local authorities had to remind them uh, that they were not allowed to use metal detectors or to just go digging anywhere without a permit. And, you know, there's something about hidden treasure that just seems to have a way of capturing the human imagination. It just captures us. We're probably zeroing in on just two questions. We think about what is the treasure, what's there, and where is it located? Uh, and so that captures our imagination. But our intrigue as humans goes beyond just physical, monetary treasure. It goes beyond just being treasure hunters of something physical and valuable. Uh, the truth is that throughout human history, we as people... And mankind all over the globe, of every culture, of every people group, we've been interested in the hunt for spiritual treasure. We're interested in the hunt for what is true, what is wise, how do we come about this knowledge, where is it buried? And so people of all ages, of all uh, uh, groups, of all people groups throughout the world have gone on a hunt for wisdom and knowledge. Where is it located and how do we find it? People scour the earth, they pillage books, they dig up philosophies, hoping to discover the source of life's meaning and purpose. You stare at the stars, 
They go on quests and pilgrimages looking for these things. Where is this treasure? Where is wisdom and knowledge located? Where do we find the secret to life and what is truly true and what is reliable and what is real? Where do we even begin to look? We're going to be opening to a fascinating passage of Scripture today. The Apostle Paul is going to answer these two big questions for us. Where is life's treasure found? He's going to tell us it's found in Christ. Christ is the location of all of life's treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's going to tell us what is that treasure exactly. It is just that. It is right and true divine knowledge, knowing what life is all about, knowing what God has designed and set up, knowing what is true, and then wisely living that out, applying that knowledge. So our current study of the book of Colossians, we're learning of this high position of Jesus Christ. This this word from the Apostle Paul today isn't just going to come out of thin air. It's not just coming out of nowhere. If you'll remember in Colossians chapter 1, he lifts Jesus Christ to the highest position. He calls him the firstborn, not in sequence. He was not talking about birth order per se, but of the high position of Jesus Christ. That he is above everything. That it is in the fullness of Jesus Christ God dwells. He is preeminent, the apostle Paul would say. He reconciles all of the sin-cursed earth and all of sin-cursed people and the disjointed parts of this world and this life. In Jesus Christ, as we trust in him, he reconciles all of that to God. He puts Christ in the most supreme position. It is lofty beyond our imagination. You just read in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 and beyond, even through down through verse 20, You just again and again are wondering at the awe-inspiring magnificence of Jesus Christ. So Paul has been laying all this groundwork. Now he's going to come to our text here today to say this. When you have Christ, you have everything. You don't need to look elsewhere. He is the treasure. There's treasure to be found nowhere else outside of Christ. It's our privilege and goal in life to grow up to spiritual adulthood in Jesus Christ. This is what we learned last Sunday. The Apostle Paul said, I labor, I toil to the point of exhaustion to preach Christ, to proclaim his goodness, his salvation, his loveliness, his power. And in doing so, we grow from being a very new believer having new life, just like a baby would be born uh, physically. Those who are Christians are baby born spiritually, and they grow up into adulthood and into maturity in Jesus Christ. It is our privilege and goal to grow up that way as we follow this Lord and Savior. Today we'll be heeding this warning of Paul not to look elsewhere for wisdom and knowledge of what is true, of what is real about God, about ourselves, about eternity. Jesus Christ alone is the deposit. Jesus Christ alone is the storehouse in whom are kept all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We'll see this today. I've titled this morning's message, Our Treasures Hidden in Christ. Our treasures that are hidden 
in Christ, him being the storehouse of all of these things. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We've closed out chapter 1 last Sunday as we looked again in all of these things that the Apostle Paul gave his life to. He said, I work tirelessly. We do this so that we can present everyone mature in Christ. And now we open up chapter 2 this morning. Look with me here, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. If last Sunday we looked at Paul's struggle, his energy, his toil, his ministry efforts that we're looking globally, here now as we come to chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is narrowing this down to tell this small church at Colossae and some surrounding communities that he is now laboring in prayer. He is laboring in all of these ways and for these reasons for them. It has a very directed personal tone that he is working on their behalf for them. This is very pastoral. It's very endearing for the Apostle Paul to say, I'm taking up the cause for you specifically. What is this great struggle that he is doing? And what is his occupying concern? That's what we'll get to here in just a moment. If you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, you've probably missed uh, these maps that I've been showing. So, John, if you could put that first one up here. You say, where is this letter to the Colossian church being written? Well, this is modern-day Turkey that you're looking at here on this map. And you can see some of the routes that the Apostle Paul would have taken, uh, among other uh, people who were traveling in those days. One of the routes could be taken by sea there in the Mediterranean. Um, But some of them would have been land routes that would have left uh, Israel, the Middle East, right there down in in, in the lower right-hand side of your screen. And traveling up, you would have gone right past this little town off the beaten path called Colossae. If you could go to the next slide here as well, there was a cluster of these towns about 10 miles apart. Laodicea was about 10 miles from Colossae. All of this is in the Lycus River Valley. And they were trading in wool and and dyes. And there was a little bustling community here along these trade routes of these cities of Hierapolis and Laodicea and Colossae. The Apostle Paul tells them here in verse 1, I want you to know how great of a struggle I have for you, these small communities, these followers of Jesus Christ, new in their faith, Many believe that the Colossian church was only about five to seven years old. This was a church plant, a fresh church plant. He says, I want you to know how much I am laboring and how much great toil and struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. This is a wonderful love that he has for these Christians, these new believers, whom he has never even met personally. But he prays for them. He corresponds with them. He receives reports and news about them. And he is laboring in toil for them. He's hoping here that it was encouraging for those people to know that Paul was thinking about them. That he was corresponding with them. That he was praying for them. I wonder today uh, if that has ever been true of you. Have you ever received a text in your phone or a card in the mail 
and someone has just simply said, I was thinking about you today. I prayed for you. Trust that the Lord is meeting you in all of your needs. That is an encouragement, brothers and sisters. To have someone tell you that you are being prayed for, that it would strengthen you and it would encourage you. So maybe you've been on the receiving end of that, but I would also encourage us as brothers and sisters in Christ to be on the delivering end of that. To when you pray for someone, don't, don't always think to do it silently, but maybe the Lord would be pressing you to just say to a person, I just want you to know I had the privilege of bringing your cares, your life, your burdens before the Lord, and to do that in intercessory for you. This was the Apostle Paul. He says to them in a very encouraging way, I want you to know that I am in this with you. So now we ask the question, well, what is this? What is this thing that he's in? What is this struggle that the Apostle Paul is doing? What is occupying his concern? Why these prayers? Why this toil? Why this labor? And here we move on to verse 2 to see the answer to that question. And here we'll find that this struggle is this. It's that they would reach full assurance of who Christ is. That this wouldn't just be a, a new church plant community of people that have heard of Jesus Christ, have been attracted to Jesus Christ, have enjoyed the, uh, the thought of having sins forgiven, but that they would have full assurance of all of the glories of Christ, that they would be rested in that with complete confidence. Look with me at verse 2. He says, I'm struggling for you, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all of the riches, here it is, of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Paul can at times be a little verbose and run on and on and on. Essentially what he's saying here in this verse is this. His struggle and his labor and his prayers is that those Christians would reach full assurance of Jesus Christ and who he is. What he's done for them, what he means for them, and his love for them. What's on Paul's mind here? Well, he talks about their hearts. That is the, not just the physical muscle that beats inside of the body. When Scripture speaks of the heart in this way, it's the totality of the inner person. It's our knowledge. It's our emotions. It's our will. All of the inner person that we are bound up together. He says, I want your hearts to be encouraged, all of you, in your whole being. This means that they would have strength and courage and grit put into their Christian walk, that these Christians would be bonded together in love. This is true, genuine care. These Christians would be looking out for one another for the benefit of the other person, not just in it for themselves. True, genuine love and care for one another. So being strong of soul and being bonded together with other Christians in the community, this produces a reaching of full assurance about who Christ is. Maybe we don't think very often of this aspect of assurance, brothers and sisters, but this, this is a wonderful little nugget here in this verse that talks about this idea of our hearts gaining full assurance 
as we come together in a Christian community for fellowship. What Paul is saying here is that it is, it is one thing to have bare, straight facts about who Christ is. And, and the Apostle Paul has delivered all of those in chapter 1. Here are the straightforward facts of who Jesus Christ is in all of his wonder. It is one thing to have those facts and to know them and even to believe them. But it's another thing altogether to see those truths in action. To see the facts of Jesus Christ in action. The life of Jesus being warmly lived out in the community of Christians and fellow believers. It is a real and tangible assurance that comes as we experience a loving Christian community. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, his desire, his work, his effort, is that as these Christians come together, that they would be encouraged as they are knit in love, and in doing this would reach full assurance of who Jesus Christ is. Facts are one part of it. But it's also the living out of those facts warmly being fellowshipped and, and shared in Christian community. I wonder here today, Christian, if you've ever experienced this. Do you feel this as we gather together as a church? You come together with fellow Christians. Is this an assurance that is gained of the totality of who Christ is, that there's just one more inching forward and, and, and never the thought of retreating away from Christ, but one more inching forward of confidence that Christ is all and in all. Have you ever come on a Sunday or gotten together, maybe at other times of fellowship with Christians? It could be a Wednesday night. It can be a small group gathering. But have you ever come depleted on the inside, struggling wondering, questioning? Do you, do you ever show up feeling detached or, or a bit drifted away from Christ? Have you ever come together uh, having some doubts? Not disbelief, but just doubting. Then you come together, you meet with God's people, you engage in corporate worship, and the assurances of Christ come flooding to you all fresh again with confidence. That is the power of coming together as Christ's community. This is why in Hebrews we're told, don't neglect the forsaking of yourselves together. Because there is an assurance, a full assurance. And maybe it's a 98% assurance, but you can obtain full assurance having come together, reaching these riches of assurance of who Christ is because of the love that we share for one another. That you come in and you say, this isn't just all theoretical. It's not just black and white words on a page. Jesus Christ really changes the hearts of people and he's knit us together so that we know what true love and care for one another is all about. This isn't a dog-eat-dog -dog place. This isn't a step over uh, fellow people here in this fellowship so that you can get what you want. This is a place of fellowship where people truly lay down their lives just as Christ laid down his life for us. 
and we know that and we're assured of it and our confidence ticks up just a, 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 a hair's breadth. Every time we come together, we come away and say, Christ is so good. And I know his goodness just a little bit more today because I've met with his people. Let us not miss that in this verse. Their hearts would be encouraged as they're being knit together in love in order to, or so that, in order to reach all of the riches of full assurance of this mystery that is Christ, this unveiling, this revealing of Jesus Christ. We move on, though, as we think about Christ as our storehouse of these treasures. The struggle is reaching full assurance. But then uh, the second point here we'll see in verse 3 is this. There is a delight in finding that in Christ, all of life's wisdom and knowledge is stored up in him like a treasure. He is the location. He is the cave that is found where all of the treasure is. And so we go back to him again and again and we, we delve into the richness that is Jesus Christ. He is true truth. He helps us live that truth out in all wisdom. Look with me at verse 3 of Colossians chapter 2. Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. By saying hidden, Paul doesn't mean that they are somehow concealed in him, never to be found. That, that's not the type of hiding that is being discussed here and that is being uh, uh, talked about. It's not that they're hidden, no one will ever find them. What he means is, is that all of these are contained, they're stored up, they're hidden in that location, they're put there so that in Christ we have great and precious treasures as we know him. In Christ, these treasures have been deposited and we go to him to access them. It's divine wisdom. It's wisdom for life that helps us with practicing truth. It's divine knowledge. It's life's knowledge that we can truly know what this life is all about. Apart from Christ, you will never make sense of this life. This life is not just one crazy merry-go-round until our days are done. People will search in vain to look for the meaning and the purpose of life apart from Christ. Because it is from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. So in Christ, all of these things, wisdom and knowledge have been deposited Wisdom on how to practice truth. Knowledge on what truth is. So where do you go to find true, reliable, and real wisdom for life choices? The Apostle Paul says it's in Christ. Christ directs our life to their proper values, their proper priorities. To put God above personal ambition. To put people above possessions. And I'm thinking specifically of Matthew chapter 6 here where Jesus says... You know, you can search after all these things, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, what you'll do. But your heavenly Father knows all of these things. And so you entrust yourself to him. He will care for his children. That is the wisdom of God in Christ. That we can be without worry, 
We can be without fret or fear. God loves us just as a parent loves their child. But he does it perfectly. Say, where do you go to find wisdom? It's in Christ. Where do you go to find knowledge? True, factual, reliable, real knowledge of life? Christ. When Jesus was on this earth, many came and took a look at him for themselves. But also many of them decided to go back to living their own lives, to turn their backs on Christ. And at one point, Jesus turns to Peter and says, will you leave too? Will you go just like these other ones? Peter answered in that moment, Jesus, where would I go? Where would I go? You have the words of eternal life. There is no sweeter, blessed words that you will ever hear in this life, brothers and sisters, than this. We are sinners, but God has provided a way of forgiveness for us through Jesus Christ. He is the balm of our souls. He is the erasure of all of our faults and failures and sins. He is the welcoming of our eternity into heaven. It is Jesus Christ. Just as Peter, we would say, where else would we go? Lord, no one promises such a thing. No one glories in such a thing as your salvation for us. Thank you. In Christ is the inexhaustible treasure of true knowledge and of all that is and that exists. And so it's from him that we learn wisdom on how to practice truth and we understand knowledge of what truth truly is. We finish out this passage here this morning, though, with a warning as the Apostle Paul is going to do. It's a very fitting warning in verses 4 and 5. Because what's going to take place here is the Apostle Paul is about to introduce um, his answer to some errant philosophies that were coming in and threatening to damage this young church there at Colossae and in the surrounding communities. Look with me, Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For even though I'm absent in body, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. With verse 4 here, Paul is going to begin to introduce a defense against some false teachings that were threatening these churches. We see this all throughout chapter 2. Verse 4, he says this, I'm saying this that no one may delude you. In verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. And then down in verse 16, he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. So, verse 4, don't let anyone delude you. Verse 8, don't let anyone take you captive. Verse 16, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. If you have Christ, don't let these other heresies seep into your life. Pay no attention to them. Stand up firm against them. What we had there in Colossae was some teachers and teaching that sounded reasonable. It may have even sounded helpful, but it was misguided teaching. Ultimately, it was teaching that would lead a person away from Jesus Christ, not towards them. 
You know, every few years it seems some form of new knowledge or some form of new wisdom or some form of new revelation rises up with an attack on the church. Just in my short life and time of ministry, I've observed many of these. The prosperity gospel, the social gospel, the seeker church movement, openness theology, just to name a few. These attacks come at the church to draw people away from Jesus Christ. Any philosophy, any theory, anything that would do that, the Apostle Paul says, beware, don't be deluded, don't be deceived, step away from that, plug your ears, go to Christ. Every drift from Christ is the source of heresy. Every single cult that um, has ever uh, uh, been out there that has ever existed attacks the biblical person and work of Christ. It centers on this right here. And so this is a very fitting warning that Paul would say, put your eyes on Christ. Stay away from those who would have you put your eyes elsewhere. Keep your eyes on Christ, the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Paul's warning is well-placed. Don't be deceived by anyone who peddles the purpose and meaning of life apart from Christ. When all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell in him, where else would you go? Everything else is a cheap knockoff and a substitute that will lead you nowhere. Christ gives you the fullness of life. As we close this section of Paul's letter I can't help but think of a hymn that captures so well the heartbeat and concern of these five verses we've looked at this morning. The title of the hymn is, I Love Thy Kingdom, Lord. It was written by a man named Timothy Dwight. He was the grandson of Jonathan Edwards. He served as a chaplain alongside George Washington, and he became president of Yale University. It was said that when he took the presidency of Yale University, it had been run over by liberalism, liberal theology, liberal philosophy, all of these things. And someone did a count to say there were probably only 10 true Christians attending Yale University at that time. Timothy Dwight went in, gave his efforts, he gave his time, he gave his resources, he gave his struggle, he gave his energy so that Christ would be made most of, that Christ would be treasured, that Christ would be glorified. And the entire culture of the university at that time was turned around for Jesus Christ and away from empty philosophies. Here's a couple of the lyrics from the song that he wrote, I Love Thy Kingdom, Lord. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, the church our blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. Then he said this very warmly, very pastorally, speaking of the church. For her my tears shall fall, for her my prayers ascend. To her my cares and toils be given, till toils and cares shall end. Like Paul, Timothy Dwight knew there was no other place for true wisdom and true knowledge than in Jesus Christ. 
And like the Apostle Paul, brothers and sisters, let us give our toil, let us give our struggles to introduce Christ to a lost world and pray that they reach full assurance of the value of Jesus Christ in his supremacy. That they would remain, as the Apostle Paul here said of the Colossian church, firm in their faith, even with attacks of false teachings that threaten to lead us astray. May we be a church, Lexington Community Church, that together values the riches and treasure of Christ in whom is hidden, in whom is deposited, in whom is the storehouse of all knowledge and wisdom for this life. Brothers and sisters, let's be a community and a culture and a church that prizes and treasures this above all else. Let's close our time this morning in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is here to convict us. It is here to strengthen us. It is here to encourage us. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged this morning to look again, to look fresh at Christ and to not turn away Lord, I pray that even this morning as we gather gathered together as you commanded us to do, that we would reach full assurance of all of the glories of Christ as we collectively sing, listen, pray, talk, and encourage one another for your glory and our good. Might you press the truths of this word on our hearts here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.